If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm here today with Tom Haroldson, the editor of the Davis Journal. Tom, thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. This is great. I appreciate it. And I, I loved meeting you the other day when you did the article. I appreciate you guys coming over and interviewing me at City Hall. It was fun to have that feature on you in our papers. Absolutely. Well, it was. I'm a little gun shy, a little nervous about talking to the press. And so you guys made it really comfortable, and I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear that. Are you less nervous now you're talking to the press again? Yes, I'm talking to you again because I wanted to find out a little bit more about the role of the press. Right. I know that you cover Utah politics. You've been an editor of The Clipper for years and years. Yes. And you've been a journalist probably your whole life. Pretty much. Oddly enough, since sixth grade, if oh, you really? can believe that. Tell me how you got started. Well, I don't know how how I got started in sixth grade. I was living in Texas at the time. My my dad worked for a subcontractor for NASA. So uh, when the Manned Spacecraft Center was built in the mid to late 60s in the Houston area, we lived there for a while. I'm that old. Uh, I was going to school, and I just had the desire to create a school newspaper just for the sixth grade at Kima Elementary School. If any listeners have ever been to Kima, Texas, they'll know what I'm talking about. In those days... It was mimeographed, which is uh, probably a form that nobody even understands. It was a uh, piece of paper with a carbon background, and you would draw things on, and you draw designs on it, and then they would take it and they would put it through a machine that, with duplicating fluid, produced multiple copies. It was the predecessor to photocopying, obviously. Um, so in sixth grade, I started a newspaper called the Kima Press. My my actual professional goal was to become a disc jockey. Oh. I, w- I wanted to be in studios like this one and, and uh, playing the tunes and everything. But my first, um, in college, I studied broadcast journalism. And my first job was actually in print when I graduated from college. And I've been in print ever since. I, I, you went to BYU. I did. Right? Okay, I saw that. And you've been uh, on the forefront of politics and journalism, especially in this area for, I, I guess, your entire career. Pretty much. I, I worked in Nevada for one year and in California for a couple of years, but I have come back to, to Utah. Uh, went to school here, as you mentioned, in Provo. I grew up in California, but came back here to go to BYU and then have been here pretty much ever since I graduated, which was, I think, when Brigham Young was still alive. It was a metal used to run in the school. <laughs> You're funny. Um, do you live in Davis County? Actually, I live in Salt Lake County. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I've lived in Bountiful, and for a while I lived in Centerville. Um, I've been to Kaysville many, many, many times. I have relatives and friends that live in the area. I've been to the fireworks, 4th of July celebrations for many years in Kaysville. I've always had an affinity to this community. I came to Kaysville when you still had a potato chip factory. I moved here when we did That's as right. well. You would drive up 2nd North and could smell a uh, Clover Club. I loved it. You, yeah. <laughs> I keep telling our city that we need something in Kaysville as sort of a, a monument where people can take their pictures. Yes. And, but, but really, a lot of people don't remember the pit, potato chip factory. They so don't. I thought, I don't know, we'll have to come up with something. Yeah, a lot kind of, of iconic and fun. I began working in Davis County uh, in 1987, the first time with, with the Davis Clipper. 
and so many of the iconic sites and uh, uh, locations, a lot of iconic people, for that matter, are gone now from 35 years ago. They really are. It's changed a lot, it hasn't has. it? It has. I remember years ago when I would read the Clipper, I actually wrote in and said, hey, I'd love to do a little local kind of spot on, on my city. Um, when I was a little girl, my grandparents lived in Star Valley, Wyoming, yes. and they had a, a little local paper, and I'd love to read it because it would be about, you know, Martha's kids visited from Wisconsin, and Berta got a dog, and someone got a haircut, and it was really fun. Kind of reminded a, me of the Mr. Rogers kind of theme. And, and, and that was a big part of what newspapers uh, were and have been for many, many years. Uh, in the weekly paper that, that we do called the um, uh, Davis Journal, that's a subscription paper. I'm writing a column now called Blasts from the Past, and I've actually gone back and found archives from 100 years ago, newspaper archives, and every 10 years, 22, 32, 42, 52, I pull stories out. A lot of the stories back in the early days were, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones went to San Francisco to visit, you know, their son-in-law who was in school, and but people wanted to read those kinds of things. Well, and I think people still do. I mean, it's it's fun to find out what your neighbors are up to and, and just to be able to highlight people and focus focus on them. And what, what's interesting about Blast from the Past is the feedback we've received now, I've only done it for about seven or eight weeks, is a lot of young people are loving it because they're oh, really? seeing their, their, their parents, their grandparents' names, maybe their great-grandparents' names, because we do stories about what was going on with the cities and the county. And uh, I, I did a story a couple of weeks ago that I think it was in 1952, there were 18 cities in Davis County and 17 of them wanted to form a mosquito abatement district. There was one holdout. It was North Salt Lake. Really? Ugh. And I, when I when, and I think they eventually caved because there is such a thing now. But uh, I'm wondering if the people who read that story are going, oh, yeah, that explains our mosquito problem. Those are our <laughs> forefathers in North Salt Lake. Yes, so. those guys were not thinking very clearly. They were the troublemakers. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely still a mosquito problem in Absolutely. Davis County. We live in West Caseville. And oh, sure, yeah. We need Closer more to the lake, the more you get. Yeah, we need more abatement for sure. When yeah. my husband was on his mission, he served in Chicago. His grandma sent him a subscription to the clipper really on his mission and he looked forward to that it was probably against mission rules i have no idea but <laughs> he just loved being able to keep up and and keep track of what was going on the one thing about newspapers and the longevity and we can talk about how they've evolved over time and how and how fewer and fewer young people are reading newspapers now and, and i know that's a problem for our industry but uh, it is a hometown touch and that's what we need to do with our papers we're not a daily of course there are no dailies left pretty much anymore in utah um, but we need to focus on the hometown news. What, what's going on in Kaysville? What's going on in, in, in Bountiful? What do people want to read about that's going on in uh, Taylorsville? And that's what we try to focus on with our monthly products, which are much more feature-oriented. So the distinction there, as we talked about before we began, is we do a weekly paper called the Davis Journal. It is basically the same thing the Clipper was doing. In fact, when the Clipper closed, we started the journal the next week. There was, it was seamless. And I w went from one to the other. Um, it, it's published uh, as a subscription paper, basically from Kaysville South to North Salt Lake. And that is a, the paper that people pay to get. But in eight communities, Kaysville and Fruit Heights being one of those, uh, two of those, we publish a monthly thing called uh, the Davis Journal. No, it's called the City Journal. City Journals. I'm sorry, I get confused too. So we have one that's specific to Kaysville and Fruit Heights. Uh, then we have one for Farmington Centerville. Bountiful, West Bountiful, and North Salt Lake Woods Cross. Those are free papers. Everybody who's listening should be getting them in their mailbox. People do. And they're very feature-oriented. We don't do a lot of timely news. And your article was, in fact, a feature story, and it was on the front page. If you haven't gotten it, 
It was. Mayor Tran, front page, <laughs> our July issue. We have extra copies. If you wanted to get <laughs> one and have her autograph it, let me know. <laughs> well, so my husband was asking me, he said, isn't, isn't the Davis Journal just the clipper? And I said, well... I don't, I don't really know. Right. So. I think it's, I think the missions are similar. There is a definite change in the way they look, the way that they're, they're put together. We have a different art director than, than the Clipper did. We've tried to, we've tried to make them a little more contemporary, maybe a little less, um, uh, antiquated to the way that the Clipper was published for 129 years and it was a great paper. Mm-hmm. I, we had a paper here in Caseville called the Weekly Reflex and I edited that paper in 1987 till about 1991. We had an office that was actually in Layton, but it was for the Kaysville Weekly Reflex and published a lot of stories about things that went on here in Kaysville. My favorite story about that, there was a young woman who was a student at uh, Davis High School. And I did a story about her because she spoke seven languages, spoke seven different languages just perfectly. We did a story about her, and I can remember telling her mom when I interviewed her, I said, if you want extra copies of this paper, let me know. I was pretty proud of the story. I had written the story. It was, I think it was a front page story. For weeks, I never heard anything. And then I was in Bowman's, plague for Bowman's, <laughs> ran into uh, her and her mom. And I said, you know, was the story okay? They said, oh, we love the story. I said, well, we th- I thought you might call and want some extra copies. And her mother said, are you kidding me? Everybody we knew brought us copies of their paper. They'd all seen it. And the, the best news of that story is that the following year, I learned that there were more students interested at Davis High in languages than had been before. So some of them were energized by the idea of learning languages and, and what an advantage that would be in the world, and more students signed up. So newspapers can make a difference. That's really interesting, and it's inspiring. because And that's what I like about the hometown focus uh, of individuals within the community, because people do, her peers probably did. They probably thought that was impressive. I mean, right. seven languages. and And... And making it a, something that was more interesting for other kids to to maybe realize that they could achieve something like that. And get scholarships anywhere she wanted, by the way. I'm oh, sure I her bet. peers' parents are the ones saying, yeah, Susie, you better go take some languages here. Oh, I so. bet. But it's just, it's really nice to hear what people in our community are doing. And that's why I decided to do this podcast, just because I wanted to highlight people within our community. Because people are fascinating. It's really neat to learn about their stories. It's learn. It's neat to learn about them. So I appreciate you being willing to let me talk to you. Oh, sure. I wanted to just find out kind of the role that journalism plays in, well, we've kind of talked about it on a local level. Sure. But also in terms of politics. So, you know, as we watch national news, as my husband and I sit there on the couch and watch everyone just get destroyed on TV. So you, get, you, you walk away depressed like oh, it, we do. It, it is. Absolutely. It's depressing. And it's also scary because I think, gosh, I don't want to be misquoted. Right. Because, you know, there's always a backstory behind the actual story and they cut and paste and they, you know, edit. So I've been a little bit leery about that. But I, one thing I really am impressed with um, is one of your reporters, Cindy. She does a fantastic job. She does. She's very fair. She served on in, in the city hall before. Right. And once she told me that, it really helped me to be a little bit more comfortable with her. I knew Cindy because we served on another state committee um, for a few years, but I did not know of her as a writer. But I knew because she had worked for Salt Lake City government for a long time that she knew all about the the intricacy. She knew about the the going comings and goings of government. There you go. This is why I'm not in radio. I can't speak. Um, And so I knew that would be a huge advantage when she was writing stories about what was going on with the council and with governmental stories. And she's done a great job. She's really embellished uh, the the opportunity that she has to write for us. And I'm very grateful for her. She's critical to the Kaysville 
success of the Kaysville uh, Fruit Heights paper. Absolutely. Well, and she does a very fair job of reporting. So when I when I have talked to her, I haven't felt like she was just looking for that gotcha yeah. moment. This was, this was a big moment for her when we were able to sit down with you and, and you, you trusted us. And we <laughs> appreciated that a lot. <laughs> she's, but, she's great. You know, I do understand that. I think um, without going through the history of journalism and taking all of the broadcast time here for your podcast, but, you know, newspapers really were the creation of people who had political agendas. If you look at the history of newspapers in this country, a lot of them had their democratic or republic or independent names in their mastheads. That was what they were called. Um, the Clipper, oddly enough, got its name because the publisher, and there were three generations of, of publishers that were all in the same family. The original publisher wanted to have a paper that would provide not only local tidbits that we've talked about, but also excerpts from what was happening in Salt Lake City and in Ogden. And he literally would take clippings out of those other papers and he would rewrite them. And that's how it was. It had nothing to do with the Clipper ship. We used to joke when the when when the paper when when the industry was starting to go down that the clipper ship was sinking, but it had nothing to do with the ship. Uh, it just had to do with those clips, and and so the idea there was to be broad enough to give everybody a good point of view with what was happening in the state, you know, regionally as well as what was happening within the cities. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's interesting. In fact, the genesis of the word news, N-E-W-S. You might be interested in this. A lot of people thought, oh. If it's not old, it's new. And if you put a whole bunch of new things together, you have multiple new, which is news. Yes. That's not it. The genesis of the word news is the points of the compass. North, oh. east, west, and south. The idea being that everything that's happening around you is news. I didn't know that. That makes a lot of sense. I will leave now with my tidbit of knowledge. Now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> See, I knew I'd learn a lot in talking to you. I don't know if that's very useful, but it's kind of interesting. Well, that, that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, everything's written to convince us of something, and I understand that that will always happen. But I really appreciate journalists who are willing to just provide factual information. Right. It should be. And, it should and not be objective. Try to convince me. It should be. We should present you the information, and then let you make a decision on you know how you feel about it. What you know. I'm going to go into the teaching correct principles and let you govern themselves thing, but mm -hmm. and that's not original to me, folks. But anyway, uh, that's really the idea with news. We should be informative. We should be objective and never subjective. And one of the problems with journalism now is that's become very subjective in a lot of cases. Well, it really, it's hard. I mean, we can't even turn on some channels in my house because my husband's very opinionated about where the news comes from. And and it shouldn't be like that. It's right. it, it makes it hard to kind of know who to trust out there. So broadcast news Appreciate. has become a lot of show business. I mean, to be honest with you, and if you, whether you are a right leaner or a left leaner politically, the people you, you will get, I call it justification journalism. If you really want to believe in this school of thought, you turn on these stations. Mm -hmm. If you want to believe in a different one, you turn on these stations, but they are not journalists. And I think if you really interviewed them, they would tell you they're not journalists, they're entertainers. I'm not sure that they all believe in everything they advocate on the air. But I do believe the more millions and millions and millions of dollars they get paid, it's pretty easy to become an advocate for something. Oh, absolutely. And the clicks and the, the lead-ins and the tantalizing headlines yes. and stuff. We feed on we feed on, we, we on, do. on celebrity. We do. We do. And, well, my husband was saying, why is everything so negative? And I said, because that's what people like. Well, and We're drawn to it. And, Misery. you know, to be honest with you, a short of a feature story about the wonderful mayor of Kaysville. Well, thank you. The news stories really are the exception to the rule. I mean, I tell, I defend my industry a lot. And I've had to do it over the years because people say, why, why is it always so negative? It's the exception to the rule. 
we had a double homicide in uh, uh, about a mile and a half from my house recently in Salt Lake. That was the lead story. It wasn't 12 people walked their dogs safely down 4,700 south. That's not a news story. That is not the exception to the rule. That is the rule. Right. So be grateful that the exception to the rule stories are not, you know, good news, no drive-by shootings in West Valley last night, you know. That, the, yeah, that, okay, that's good. Yeah. That's perspective. But it is the exception to the rule. And unfortunately, um, short of a feature story, which can have a good, a good Just design. Just a sort of good feel. Right. A lot of the stuff that we, that publish, what sells, people don't go to race races to see cars go around in circles go turn left for 500 miles they don't go to hockey games to see skaters not have fights we are kind of that way unfortunately yeah we are i i mean i was having this conversation with a friend um talking about the world and just how crazy it is and she and her argument was that the world is so much scarier and i said i don't think so I really don't think it's scarier or more violent. I think we're just hearing about it in real time. We are hearing about it. And, and that's multiple, true. from multiple um, sources over and over and over. Is that true, do you think? I do. Okay. I, I do. I think there's a, there's a lot of people out there who, I think it's a combination of two things, and this is only Tom's opinion, but part of it is there is a desire to, to be sensational. You know, that does, that sells. Uh, you know, that that's just the way it's always been. The other thing is I do believe that there are a lot of people who are, looking for, for someone to follow right now. They're looking for someone to, to guide them. It's true. Leaders and seekers. I use the joke, and it's a play on words, that it's better to be a leader because there's a seeker born every day. And that's really, really true. So if you are m- lost in your thoughts about anything from education to exercise to politics, you're looking for someone that will give you what you think is guidance that will lead you. And it's very easy for those people to take those roles and embellish them into something that's really too powerful and often not right. Yeah, that that's good. Actually, I have to think about that for a minute because it's true. As as you've um, as, so as the Davis Journal has kind of well, it's not that you're recreating yourself, but you're you're being more modern. Yes. And you're are you using platforms like TikTok? The reason I ask about that is my daughter. She's in. Well, she just graduated from college. She's young, twenties. She was telling me, you know, oh, I heard that on TikTok. I heard this on TikTok, and I really wasn't paying attention to right. TikTok previous to a couple months ago. But there's so much information there, and and a lot of our kids, a lot of younger people, even people my age who are older, are getting information from those sources. So, do you guys use those types of platforms? Well, at we all? don't. We we have a Facebook page. Okay. We have a, a, a presence on Twitter. I don't believe we have an Instagram page, although we couldn't, we're not on TikTok. One thing about, about social media and those types of, of uh, programs is that they have been, a lot of people have substituted those for legitimate stories. Mm-hmm. And I have told this story many times, and I will tell it again, that uh, I've spoken to high school classes where, classes where students will say, I don't need a newspaper, I have one of these, and they hold up their cell phone. And my response to that is like saying, you don't need a farm because you have a Walmart. Nothing grows at the supermarket, and nothing news organically happens on your phone. It has to be reported, hopefully vetted, hopefully edited uh, by someone who's a professional journalist. So if you're depending just on social media to get your news, just social media, then you're, you're going to be easily, you could be easily read astray there. That being said, I, I use Facebook, I use Twitter, I don't use TikTok because I don't, produce funny videos. Um, there's nothing that I would do that would anybody would want to watch. But um, yeah, I think it, it's, and, and a part of that has to do with the fact that we've become a society 
that wants instant answers. We, we, mm-hmm. we have a, you know, you've heard about the 24 hour news cycle. I think Ukraine's a perfect example of that. Uh, it lasted longer than 24 hours, but for two or three weeks, everything was focused on Ukraine. You would not know unless you paid attention that the problems in Ukraine now are just as bad as they were when this started in February, but it's not being reported as much. It's, it's lost its savor in the media. They don't talk about it. I have a lot of friends in Davis County who, from, who are from Ukraine, and I've been involved with the Ukrainian Associ- Utah Ukrainian Association to try to help them. We're going to have another story coming out about you know Ukraine six months later, because oh, at good. the end of August will be the, the six-month anniversary when the, when the invasion started. Um, but you know, it, it doesn't have long-lasting taste, for lack of a better term, in, in, in the public's you know, taste for media. And so a lot of that stuff just doesn't, doesn't stick. And that's the advantage of actual journalism, as we can continue to tell those stories. Really good point. Um, I was thinking about the Ukraine the other day. I saw an article about some a refugee family that had been sponsored or something, and I thought, well, where's the news? We're st- they're still at war. Absolutely, they're still fighting hard, aren't they? They are. I mean, no progress has been made as far as I've seen. It's lasted, and we're a not lot. talking about it. The Ukrainians have have actually defended themselves much stronger than anything any of us thought they would. But, you know, they're in a stalemate now, and that, I don't know how that situation will end. And, That's of course, we don't cover Ukrainian war in the Davis Papers, but right. it's still something that has an effect out there. The, the point being that uh, people need to just not stop paying attention just because it's not on right. social media. Yeah, that, that is true. And you were talking about seekers and leaders, and it's true. People on social media, especially on TikTok, it's just such a constant, easy thing. You don't do anything. It just comes to you. You, you turn it on, you open the app, and you're constantly fed by information that you're seeking, I guess, but it's not true. even putting any effort into to validating or to, to really finding out about. So I'm sure everybody has, everybody who has social media, everybody has a cell phone like the one sitting here by me. Um, if you have idle time, if you're waiting at the airport, if you're waiting wherever, you know, and, or, and, and you have nothing to do, you start on your phone saying, oh, I'll kill 10 minutes. And then 20 minutes later, yeah, you're true. still sitting where you were and realize you just missed your 10-minute appointment. And It's true. It's easy to get sucked into it. It's and like it's a, just a entertainment. <laughs> it is. It's a black hole. It's entertainment. It, it requires absolutely zero effort on our part. And that's what's scary, I think. We've so become a people. society that likes that. Mm-hmm. You know, so. We do. We do. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have to do anything. I applaud you doing these podcasts, though, because and I think all... All local officials should be doing something similar to this. There's a million podcasts out there right now. We talked True. about before uh, we started that I do one or two of them for the paper. My wife does a podcast because she's oh. a, uh, called Life and Laughter. Uh, she's a yoga teacher. She's a life uh, instructor. And uh, she she does podcasts. I just listening to one coming up here, as a matter of fact. But they are so informative. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. You have to make sure you find one that makes sense for you. But um Boy, to get to know people, get to know you mm-hmm. as your constituents, the people you're serving here as mayor, this is a great way to do it. And I, I wish more people were doing that because I don't think we know much about our public elected officials other than what we do read in the news. And that's fine. But that's that's Tammy Tran in that role. It, that's you know, true. What about Tammy Tran as a mom and a, and a wife and, and all the other things you've been involved with? That's true. So this is great. Do you, do you think it demystifies people to the point that then they're not as... I don't know, respected kind of, because sometimes, you know, I I look at these social media platforms, especially, and the more I get to know somebody, not the less respect that I have for them, but I realize, oh, they're just like me, which is a good thing. 
But then some of the things people put out there, you think, so okay, you're telling me you're never much. going to invite me back after if I get this <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. That's, this is good. I, I think it's good. I, I don't think, I, I think if anything, I think it draws you closer to the people. Uh, particularly, particularly in your role as a mayor of a small community, people want to know who you are. You yeah. don't want someone to say, I'm afraid to go talk to the mayor because, um, you know, she's way up there and she's this very important person and she's probably unreachable and she won't pay any attention to what I'm doing. And you, you obviously demystify that right, right away by right, doing what sure. you're doing. Right. So if anything else, I think it should draw your town, your constituents closer. Well, good. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping by doing this that I can get to know people better and help other people get to know them. Because especially businesses, it's fun to hear the story, their whys. Why are they in business? It's true. It's not just because they love ice cream. It's because they, you know, love the community or right. want to better their life situation. Yes, we're both thinking about the ice cream parlor yes, that's it, below it, us, right it, next it, to it, us here. It yes, is a absolutely. great place and it's been a <laughs> A great benefit to Kaysville. You've got such grandiose plans for Main Street. I mean, some really positive ones. I'm very excited. We about do. That. It would be. I mean, Main Street in Kaysville is hard. We. It's not very long. It's not very big. Right. But what we do have, we've got. We've got great space to work with and great businesses. So we're really hoping to be able to encourage businesses to stay and new businesses to come. I love your theater. I've loved that your theater has stayed. I've been in there I many times, and it's just fun that they're continuing to operate that in the world of big conglomerate movie theaters. It's nice when independent movie theaters can, yeah. can survive. It really is. The calls have been great, a great family, just a staple family in this, in the city. And, and, and kids, my, my kids used to go when they were little with their friends. It was probably one of the first places they were allowed to hang out by themselves. So it was kind of a coming of age kind of experience. Sure. So it's been yeah, good. It is. It's a very good. I think, I think one of the things that, that I'm proudest of as a journalist is when when I write a story, like the young woman that spoke the seven languages, when you write a story, and I'm sure you feel this way in, in, as a political leader as well, if you can do something that makes a difference in one person's life, just one, that's, that's amazing. How many of us never do anything that changes anybody's life in a positive way? A lot of people do not. We don't, we don't, we don't um, use the talents that we've been given, and we really need to do that. Um, so if I write a story or you work on a program that, that creates a difference in somebody's life, that's huge. And that's really what our role should be journalistically is to provide information that'll help improve your lives, whether it's to tell you something to avoid, you know, worrying about wildfire and preventions and that thing, or, you know, flooding or that type of thing, or something that's positive that inspires you. That's really what we should be doing. I'm not going to say that I've always been altruistic and said, oh, I'm going to be America's great hero because I'm a journalist. I don't think that's the case. I do it because I like it. I do it because I enjoy writing. And I think that was one of the few. God-given talents that I was born with was the ability to write and communicate. But using it for a positive way gives you a warm feeling. It really does. And even through the couple podcasts that I've done, it's really neat to be able to talk to people after because they feel so much better about themselves. You know, hearing, hearing you tell your own story makes you feel good about what you've accomplished. And hopefully that is the goal in journalism as well. It is. And especially with local, local news. And I, I believe everyone has a story. I really do, Tammy. I think I could walk up and down Main Street here, mm -hmm. walk up to anybody with, with my little tape recorder. They don't know me from Adam. I'd have my badge on, so they didn't think I was some, you know, following them around or something. But, and say, uh, I go, I could, I'd say to Larry, Larry, what's your story? And Larry would look at me from the other side and he'd say, I don't know if I have a story, but you do have a story. That's true. Everybody has a story. And That's true. I think it's very interesting when you find out what some of those stars are. And perhaps in that case, 
They don't even know they have a story until you, and then they, like, as you mentioned, they tell their story and suddenly they, wait, I have value. I, I had a good experience here, you know? Yeah. It, and that's, you exactly. That's, ex- that's why I do this. It's just really neat to be able to see people smile. Yeah. And feel good about themselves. You make it very comfortable to do this too. So. Well, and I appreciate you being willing because I, I just met you. I mean, I've, I've known of you, of course. Of course. Because you have a great reputation and you've been around. Well, then you don't really know me. You think I have a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one random question for you. Yes. So I follow you on Twitter. And, well, um, that's the interview, folks. See you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> who is Penguin? Yeah. Who is Penguin? No, no, that, you're Penguin. Who is Perry Lynn? That's my wife. Oh, Perry Lynn is your wife? Yes, she is. Oh, okay. Perry Lynn Kinder, she's a columnist for us. I didn't at know the paper. that. She's also the life coach. She's also the yoga instructor. Okay. And she does life and laughter uh, coaching and life and laughter podcasts, which um, I'm punning, uh, plugging now. Please listen life to her and, podcast. Yes, but, I will. Yeah, she's, she's uh, Perry and I met, actually, we were working for competing newspapers. She was working in a paper in Salt Lake County. I was working for a, one of our journals. And um, uh, through a myriad of things, their their paper closed, and I said, I, I'd like to have you come work for us, and she began writing her column. She's written her Life and Laughter column now for almost 20 years. I didn't know published, that. Published a book of her writings uh, almost 10 years ago. We're, excuse me, we're going to do another one, I think, next year. She inspired me to finally finish my novel. I did write a novel. Really? It's called Dreaming of Hope. It's a teenage romance. Yeah, I wrote it when I was in my 50s, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But it was very <laughs> autobiographical, and, um, and it, we had some fun with it. It's been out about 10 years. It's no longer in print, but I, we had several printings, and we had a lot of fun That's promoting really it. That's really neat. So that was fun, yeah. How long have you been married? Uh, 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. Okay. And so you met because you had interests in yeah, journalism. Yeah, and we were, both, we were both divorced, and so it, was, it worked out to, yeah, That's we had really similar neat. interests. I will tell you— and I'm very proud of saying this. Nobody in your listenership is going to care. But I really do believe that um, that she really is is the, the girl of my dreams. Really? And, That's um, sweet. Yeah. I, when you find somebody that uh, the love just continues to grow every single day. And I know how lucky I am. Oh. And uh, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm kind of an old romantic, but I'm not embarrassed about saying that at all. I'm definitely an old romantic, but I'm not embarrassed about saying that at all. That's really neat. What, what attracted you, what attracted you to her the most? So you want to hear this story? I do. I okay. want to hear your story. It's... So here's the deal. When I was young growing up in California, uh, I was an only child and I can constantly had a, re- I had a reoccurring dream, not every night, but over a period of time about this girl that was like the love of my life. But I, I wake up and it wasn't anybody I knew. It wasn't what you know, I didn't go to work there. I didn't school, whatever. So I thought, well, okay, that's weird. But what I remember about her more than anything were her eyes. So 15 years ago, I was covering, I was actually a judge for a pageant in Salt Lake County. And she was covering the pageant for the other newspaper. When I first saw her, she wasn't facing me. She was talking to someone at the door. And uh, the lady at the door knew me, didn't know her because she was fairly new. And she said, and this lady said, I don't think you're going to be able to get on stage to talk to the pageant queens. But Tom can because we know Tom. And I was just trying to be friendly. And I said, you know what? Just follow me. And when she turned around... I recognized her eyes. Did you really? I did. That gives me chills. I know. I know. 
This is like a true romance R- podcast. Really, here, <laughs> that's a beautiful story. And and she knows that story and and everything. So uh, even though we had both taken different paths to find each other, we did find each other, and I couldn't be more grateful. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, she's she's amazing, and she's that's uh, neat. She's she's and she does some uh, writing for uh, not as a columnist. She also writes some stories for us as well. So. And she's a yoga instructor. She is teaches yoga. She's a life coach. Um, and, uh, just all around healthy person. She's had me doing yoga for 15 years. Has that calmed you and relaxed you? Yeah. And- it, it, well, I could do it better 15 years ago than I can now, but in some ways, cause I'm getting older, but yeah, it really has. I think yoga is, uh, is very misunderstood. I thought it was li- literally sitting around cross-legged on the floor with your hands chanting. up in the air chanting and waiting for incense. And I went to the first yoga class and I came home and I was tired. It's exhausting, isn't it? It is. When you have a good instructor and you're doing it right, it's hard. More men need to take yoga, especially if you are playing pickleball or tennis or golf. Oh, yeah. There are some physical advantages, huge developmental strengths you can gain through yoga. I uh, get told quite frequently when I go get a massage that I should do yoga. They always tell me, you're really tense. <laughs> so I need, to, I need to start it's, doing it's that. It's from being mayor. That's it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just from being uptight, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> What a neat story. Well, oh, I'm glad. Well, I was looking at your feed and you kind of tweeted her a lot. I know. And, and so I I'm thought, very proud of her. oh, I wonder who that is. That's okay. Is. That's really neat. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Well, thank you for letting people know that I'm not just creepily text tweeting about some uh, other person. But no, yeah, it's, no, well, I'm sure people that really pay attention that's already true. knew. But, oh, that's fun. But I didn't. Well, thank you for letting me share that. That was fun. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here. I really appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. I won't dog you guys anymore when you call me. <laughs> well, so you say. <laughs> right. I, I just, you know, I just want to make sure that I, I, I guess I'm presenting well for the city and, and make sure that I, I'm doing a good job. So. Well, I, I think the people who know you know that that's the case. You know, one of the reasons I wanted Cindy to do the story about you is just so people would get to know you and, and know about you and your background. And we talked a lot, uh, I think, without the interview, just about some of your background. And, and uh, this is, you know, Kaysville is very fortunate to have you as the mayor. They well, really thank are. you. I mean, I'm not stroking you just because I'm on your podcast. But, well, thank you. But you are going to be coming doing one of mine now. So yes, I absolutely will. So fair play. Okay, so, but for, for sure. I appreciate your opportunity to come here. This is great. Thank you, Tom. 